Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to our Living with Amuna. So good to be together. As always, we begin with our gratitude. Special thank you to the sponsors for the series of the year, Dr. Davi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, Zechron Levracha, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shantz. The share this morning is sponsored by Ariella Stern, in honor of the year outside of Igal Ben Aryeh Leib on Zion Shvat, by Hannah Aloof, in memory of her brother, Alan Wilder, who's loved school and books. Thank you very much. And by Nadine and John Rosenblatt, Sarah's Tovah, Justice and Good Health with their mother, Judith Cutler, Yehudas, Esther, Bas, Razel. Okay. We are back with Simcha. We're back living with great joy and great happiness because we see Hashem's role in our life. We are learning Bayam Durachacha, Ravitcha Meyer Morgenstern. I still told you that I met him recently in Israel and I'm still processing that experience, still absorbing that experience, and I look forward to sharing it with you uh, at some point in the near future. But he's been describing for us the notion of Simcha, joy. We've talked about joy. Joy is like a pilot life. On the one hand, we're told, in the month of Adar, Marbin Basimcha. In the month of Adar, we increase and we promote and we expand our sense of joy. We're even happier, we're even more joyful. We share even more with one another. In the month of Av, Mishinichnas <coughs> Av, Mematen Basimcha. We diminish and we reduce our sense of joy. We temper our sense of joy in the month of Av. Notice, it never says that we extinguish our sense of joy. We never live without joy. Because to live without joy is to not be alive. To live without simcha is to not be living. And so we always have a nugget, we always have a core of simcha. But simcha is like a pilot. You don't know what a pilot, you know what a pilot light is. Now they don't know what a pilot light is. The electric stove, the electric oven, nobody knows what a pilot light is. The pilot light was always lit. And when you turned on the stove, you were able to light a fire from it or you expanded it, you flamed it and you would done cooking, you would diminish it, you would lower it, you would shut it. So simcha is that pilot light. It's always on, it's always burning in the background. There are moments that we expand it and there are moments that we reduce it or diminish it. But simcha has to always be going on. A Jew has to live besimcha. You have to be besimcha. You have to be happy and joyful and positive and optimistic. And that has to be our default demeanor. We shouldn't have to manufacture it. We shouldn't have to hear good news or have a great meal or experience a great event in order to be able to be besimcha. And the default the rest of the time is we're walking around for and miserable, angry, complaining, negative. There are many people, that's their default status. That's the, they wake up in the morning, everything's terrible. Why? I'm not sure yet, but I'm sure it will be. It will be. I'll find out momentarily. Give me a minute. Give me a minute and I'll tell you why. But they wake up already, everything's a problem. Usually it's the person they wake up next. But everything's a problem. That's who they blame. But everything's always a problem, you wake up. That should not be a Jew's default status. Our default is not, I'm miserable, I'm angry, I'm complaining, I'm negative, I'm critical. And, oh, by the way, I had good news. So for a window of five minutes, I'll be happy. The default is I'm happy. And if it's interrupted, I had a challenging situation. I had bad news, I had a struggle. So it's not gone, it's not extinguished, but it's diminished until I'm able to retrieve it. So we talked about why isn't it in the Torah? If being besimcha, being so joyful and happy, where's the mitzvah? We have 613, and we count so many things as mitzvahs. Where's the mitzvah? Name the chapter and verse. There's a mitzvah to be besimcha, to be happy. It doesn't appear in the Torah. So we spoke about Rechaim Vital's message that midos, yoset tzarch lizar midos aros, yoser mikiyam ha-mitzvos. The foundation, the ground floor, are the character traits, the qualities of who we are. We then build up upon it. 
the mitzvahs, the positive, the negatives we avoid are all building up. But the ground floor, the foundation is to be, is to have good midos, to have good qualities, to have good character, and to be b'simcha, to be joyful. We're on page Kufmem Zion 147, at the bottom paragraph. So we asked, here's where we left off. What is the biggest obstacle, the biggest challenge, the biggest problem? Why, why do people struggle to be b'simcha? What is the biggest reason that people struggle to feel joy, to be b'simcha? Because simcha is equated with shleimus. To be b'simcha, to be happy, is equated with feeling whole, with feeling complete. What does it mean to feel whole and complete? It means that everything's good. Everything makes sense. Everything's for a reason. Everything is on, on the trajectory I want it to be. Does anyone feel shalim though? Does anyone in the world and life feel whole? Impossible. Nobody feels whole. There's always something missing. Always someone fetching. Always someone who could feel better. Always someone who could be happier. There's always more that we could have. There's always a reason to see what's missing. To see what's missing. For everyone, in whatever way, in whatever reason, there's something missing. So how do you achieve shleimus? If feeling whole, if feeling shalim, if feeling complete is the formula to feeling happy, so what do we do? We've got a problem right now. On the one hand, we define happiness and joy as resulting, as stemming from feeling whole. On the other hand, we've said that nobody in this world feels whole. No one's entitled to feel whole. No one should anticipate feeling whole. Nobody is whole. We have moments or pockets of feeling whole, of feeling shalim, but otherwise to wake up and have challenges of the day. There's challenges each and every day. If you don't have challenges, you're not living life. You didn't get out of bed. So if that's the recipe for happiness and yet nobody can have it, does it mean nobody can ever be happy? That's the question. If to feel happy, if to feel shalom, you have to feel whole, and people struggle with feeling whole, so does that mean that we can never feel happy? That's his question. So Richard Meyer says the following, this is where we left off last week, and this is the insight, this is the avoda, this is the work that we have to do. In a cup. Okay. The answer is The answer is that a person on their own, page 147, a person on their own, a person living life who thinks I'm independent, I'm isolated, I'm by myself, there's no God and there's no reason, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, it's me and me alone. So then I'll never feel whole. Whatever struggles, whatever challenges I confront or encounter, whatever pain I endure, I can't explain it, there's no reason, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's no order to it, then I'm not whole, I'm broken. I walk around broken. But there is someone, something whole that we can hold on to, that we can latch on to, that we can grab on to. He is the one and only, the unique and exclusive whole. And that is Hashem. Hashem was, is, and will be. Hashem is the source of all. He's the infinite, omnipotent, omniscient being. He's all-powerful. He's in charge. He's in control. And He's intimately involved in our lives. And when we recognize that and realize that, and when we submit and we surrender to Him, when we let go and let God, then we realize my life is whole too. If He's in charge, He's in control, He's all-knowing. If everything He does is by definition for the good, then even when I feel that there's something lacking or absent, there's a hole in my heart or in my life, it can be filled with Him. It can be filled by grabbing on and latching on and holding on to Him. 
person can feel whole and joy. Attach ourselves to him and be joyful and happy in him. He's the answer. He is the answer. God is the answer. People try to fill that hole with all kinds of other things. It's an epidemic in this country. It's not being spoken about. Drug overdoses and drug addiction and addiction in general and the spike of mental illness because people have a hole in their heart. Does anyone feel whole? Omicron is carved chipping away. There's a hole in everyone's heart. It's bad news. It's already another variant. It has a name, but I won't say its name, mostly because I don't remember its name. But there's a variant. There's another variant. I said yesterday in the Parsha Shir that my dear friend Ari told me a vort. Paro went through nine plagues. This Parsha comes to the 10th plague. He came through nine plagues. And he still doesn't believe that there's God. He just doesn't believe Moshe's message. How could it be? My buddy Ari told me, you know why? Because Paro thought it was really one plague with nine variants. Oh. Now we know. Now we know. So what, what plague are we up to now, if you count? What plague? What plague? Somewhat, somewhat a real plague, somewhat self-imposed, but that's not for now. That's neither here nor there. But the point is, who right now is Shalim? Who's Shalim? The decisions we have to make and the calculations and the coordinating and the testing and the... Who's Shalim? Who's Shalim right now with what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives? So there is an answer. You know how you can feel whole, you can feel complete? Not with drugs and not with alcohol, not with gambling and not with uh, acting out online or offline. We fill that hole in our heart not by numbing ourselves at Neiman Marcus or shopping on Amazon.com. That'll make you feel better for five minutes till the credit card bill comes. But that's not going to make you feel good. To fill the hole in the heart is to fill it with Hashem, is to latch on and grab on and realize whatever this is, it's not for naught. Whatever this is, it's for a reason. I submit, I surrender, I let go, and I let God. I'm not in charge, I'm not in control. I can't micromanage, I can't overpower, I cannot control the world. I have to let go. It is what it is. If you have to fly anywhere right now, on your head. Because flights are canceled left and right, because the staff is canceling left and right, because they're testing. So you could, I saw an interview yesterday with some Nebuch, some girl trying to get to, three flights were canceled. She was at the airport, the news was there. It was the fourth flight that she was trying to take within a few days. Okay, so you'll, that's not Shalem. You'll go crazy, you'll go out of your mind. Unless you say to yourself, I wasn't meant to be on those flights. I wasn't meant to get there at that time. I, this is the way it is. What's the alternative to that? Anxiety, worry, depression, anger, resentment, rage. Like what's the alternative? Show me how the alternative will make... Take a train. Tell me how the alternative... <laughs> tell me how the alternative will make things better. You won't get there faster if you fly off the handle. You won't get there faster if you fly off the handle. When Yechevet and I went to Israel, we had an, un, for us, unprecedented 17-hour delay. Our flight Wednesday night at 8.05 p.m. took off Thursday at 1 p.m. Wow. Which meant we got there a day later and we missed something. We were going for whatever. whatever. So there were people... There were people flipping out. I'll bet. It was not a pleasant terminal to be hanging out in, sleeping over in, whatever, camping in. Um, but it didn't get you on the plane faster. It didn't get the plane to Israel any faster. In your email to the airline customer service, you can express your disappointment. But in the moment, we just kept saying to each other, this is Hashem's will. This is when we're meant to get there. First of all, be super enormously grateful you can get there at all today. But this is the will. This is the will. This is the will. You may have received a postcard in your mailbox yesterday. 
I'm not going to get into it. I sent out an email about it today. We have an amazing event next week. You should all be there. A night celebrating Israel. Governor DeSantis is speaking virtually. The keynote speakers, Ambassador David Friedman, Ben Shapiro is speaking, Special Envoy uh, for Anti-Semitism, Eli Kohanim is speaking. It's an amazing event. We're doing it with Latina Coalition for Israel. How blessed we are that there are non-Jews who care about Israel. We're so blessed. Some get it, some don't. Those who don't have launched a campaign, they put a postcard. They're doing a lot more and a lot worse than that. It's okay. So you say, this, this is Hashem. This is Hashem. So I said to a friend the other night, I said to a friend on Monday night, What's bothering me most about this, I'm not emotionally bothered, eh, whatever, I'm not, I'm not emotionally bothered by the negative attention, I'm bothered how much time it's taking away from me. So many better things to be doing and having to respond or plan or whatever it is, the time. So the person said to me, they gave me great musr, and they're 100% right, and I'm indebted to them. They said, it's not a waste of time by definition, because if Hashem made this happen, and it requires you to respond, then that's what you're meant to be doing with that time. So when life challenges us and puts us in a position where we have to spend time on something we'd rather not, instead of saying, that's a waste of time, who are you to argue with him? He decided that's not a waste of your time. He decided that's how you should be spending your time right now. Why? I'm still, believe me, we're in the middle of a big conversation about it. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. We've been having a lot of conversations. I've been doing most of the talking so far, but we're in the middle of a big conversation. It's trying to figure out, what, Hashem, why? Why is this the use of my time? Why is this the, the uh, content of the attention being given right now? Why is this uh, something that needs to be dealt with? Why? Okay, maybe I'll find out. Maybe I won't. But either way, I have to go into it knowing. So what? I could either hide under the bed, be depressed, Cry to Yochavet and say, why me? And it's embarrassing and it's a... Or you could say, it's from Hashem. First of all, thank you for helping promote our program. <laughs> we didn't have to pay for the glossy postcard. They helped us promote our program. We didn't have to pay someone to deliver it. So you could look at it and you could say, thank you, Hashem. This is how I'm meant to be spending my time. I'm not telling you that right now for sympathy. I'm telling you right now because I want to give you a real-time example of my working, my avoda in the area that we're learning. B'simcha, I'm still b'simcha. I'm happy. I'm happy. Because it's what's meant to be. It's, what's when I'm, it's how I'm meant to be spending my time. It's what, it's what it is right now. Because this person and that campaign couldn't happen if he didn't want it, if he weren't to allow it. That doesn't mean we don't need to do what we need to do to hold people accountable and to act responsibly. Of course we do. But it couldn't happen if he didn't will it. You have a fender bender. Somebody bumps you in the back of your car. So on the one hand, you collect their insurance information. You deserve for them to pay for the repair of your car. You don't say, imagine the person who bumped your fender gets out. You say, can I have your insurance? You say, no, no, no. I just came from the Amunashir. You're supposed to realize that this is from Hashem that I bumped your car. Let me forward you the link. So why isn't that correct? Why isn't that right? Why don't we have a right to say, I won't be paying for your fender because that's what Hashem wanted to happen to you this morning. The Amunashir. Why is that not right? Because that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem says there's rules, there's regulations, there's laws, operate within them, and they include holding people accountable. However, as far as we're supposed to accept and receive and absorb, it's from Hashem. So can I have your insurance information? And then I'm going to go talk to Hashem about why it was right for me to have a fender bender this morning. What am I meant to learn from it? How am I meant to grow from it? Why do I need to experience it? Not only to not be angry about it, be grateful, because this is what was meant for me. But by the way, you're paying for my new fender. 
it's not a contradiction to do what we need to do to hold accountable and simultaneously to realize for ourselves that this is what's meant to be. So what am I going to do? Get angry? Get anxious? Is that going to help? Is that going to resolve? Nothing. Am I going to be negative? Fabissan? I'm miserable? Is that going to make things better? Only much worse. And this is the core of the mitzvah of Simcha. So Simcha, again, is not, you know, did you see my new jewelry? Did you see my new shoes? Did you see my new bottle of single malt? Did you see my new bottle of wine? Did you see the Amazon package at the door? Simcha is not even just, did you hear the news? My kid is engaged, the baby was born. Mirza Hashem, that is a source of Simcha. But within each of those Simchas, what is the Simcha about it is? Attaching, connecting, identifying Hashem. Hashem, you know what? Whatever was missing, wherever there's that hole in my heart, you fill it. That knowledge that you're in charge, you're in control, there's a reason that's what fills that hole in my heart. That's what gives me the strength, the energy, the courage to get through the day. I don't know why. I don't know if I'll ever know why. But Hashem, what gives me the strength to get through the day is the knowledge that what I went through, as painful, as unbearable as it is, it is your will. It's what you want. It's what you want. Our beloved Mr. Judovitz, Martin Judovitz, when on Yom HaShoah, he spoke and he said it in several occasions in several different contexts. But when asked, you lost your parents, you lost your family, you lost your community, you lost everything, everything. I often think that whatever we're going through in this world, and I mean there are people who've gone through horrible things, horrible loss of loved ones, horrible loss of children, victims of, of abuse, assault, they're horrible things people go through. But when we think about what one Holocaust survivor went through, they went through the tragedies of everyone we know put together. We don't know people, Baruch Hashem today, who say, I lost my parents, my siblings, my spouse, my children, and my entire community was wiped out with only a handful of We don't know. So we asked Mr. Judovitz. Right, I lost my money, I started from scratch. I became an immigrant in a country I didn't know the language. Like, we, we can't fathom. We literally can't fathom or comprehend it. We don't understand it. So we asked Mr. Judovitz, how do you have faith in Hashem? And Simcha. And Simcha. Right, not just faith. Because survivors, we would never judge any who were different, but the survivors I knew, including Yochavid's amazing grandparents and many others, it's not just that they lived and continued to have faith. They had Simcha. They had a joy for life. Yechavit's grandfather had to sleep with the radio on his whole life. If he'd closed his eyes and there wasn't something playing, he was back in those, in those, in those places of Gehenna. His whole life, had to ask Hashayla, Shabbos, Yant, because he couldn't. So this is a person who every night when he closed his eyes went to Gehenna, but when he opened them in the morning, you'd never know it. Besimcha. Wouldn't speak about it, didn't talk about it, and didn't walk around miserable. He's so happy. He'd see you. How are you? What's happening? He's always concerned. They like you at your job? <laughs> when you came from that, when all the children and grandchildren, when you came from, when you lost everything and you rebuilt, there was always a fear of, of are you stable? So that was always, they like you at your job? It's okay? You're doing well? That was always a question. Papa Simcha, happy. Nobody was happier at a birthday party, at a Simcha, at a, at a Shabbos, at a Yontif table. Simcha, survivors. So we asked Mr. Judovitz, how? He lost it all. How are you not only with faith, how are you with Simcha? So he said, you know, I lost my mother, I lost my father, I lost everyone. I had one father left. I should lose him too? 
I have one father left. I lost my parents. I long for them. I miss them. But I have one father left. I should choose to lose him too. I need him more than ever. He didn't just say that. He lived it. He lived it. It was extraordinary. Really extraordinary. And that's Simcha. So we latch on and we attach ourselves. When we have that hole in our heart, we're going through that difficult day and we're going through that challenging time and there are victims all over the world of behavior who the latest news has triggered them and peeled off the scab or the scar of their pain and they're revisiting it right now. It's unfathomable and for many of them unbearable and there's a hole that's reopened in their heart. We should fill it with our sympathy, empathy, love and support and unequivocally clear and Emuna, faith, Hashem. Far be it from us to say to that victim, well, this was Hashem's plan, but part of feeling strength and healing is to realize that as unjust, as unfair, as accountable as we have to hold chas v'shalom, terrible perpetrators, as much as we have to do to protect, as much as we have to do to be on the right side, we don't understand, but whatever we go through in life, like a Holocaust survivor, we're capable of simcha. It could become a part of our life. It doesn't have to define our total life our entire life, who we are. How can you be so happy? How can, say, how can someone be so happy? I have Hashem. What do you mean, how could I be so happy? I have Hashem. This year is dedicated in memory of Brian Galbert. Till his last day, till his last consciousness, he would say, Hashem is amazing. He'd say, Brian, Hashem is amazing. You're on your deathbed. You're in your mid-40s. Hashem is amazing. He felt it. He didn't say it so that I would talk about it for years to come every Wednesday morning at the Amun Shir dedicated in his name. That's who he was. Besimcha, you never met a more besimcha person. You never met a more mitzvah gedol besimcha person. Hashem is amazing. So we, we forget it. Because you think right now American Airlines is not so amazing. And right now this lab report is not so amazing. And right now the news is not amazing. So we forget. So we have to attach ourselves and link ourselves and grab on and ride the coattails of the people who are capable of living besimcha because they know Hashem is amazing. They fill that hole in their heart, that hole in their soul with Hashem. You can't be shelling without Him. It's not a coincidence, and I know people think I talk a lot about this. I do because I think there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of wisdom there. I'm not part of the program. If I were, I wouldn't be ashamed to be because I think it's brilliant. And the little I've been blessed to learn about it. But the 12-step program, which is the most successful program of recovery, includes, as a fundamental step, submitting to a higher power. And if you've ever been there and you've watched enormous diverse people in a room who are all declaring out loud that I cannot control this unless I submit to a higher power. There's a hole in my heart. There's something missing. I used to numb myself with this addiction, but I need to fill that hole with something healthy, not the addiction. And what is it submitting to a higher power? What does the atheist or agnostic do? It's a sugya in recovery. Not for now, not for us. But the, the, the fault of the program is one of the critical fundamental steps is Yismach Yisrael Be'osav Sagel Nafshi Be'lokai Likanis L'Semcha Sheish Lon Hashem Yisbaruch They don't use those words but one of the fundamental steps is submitting to a higher power I can't do this alone whatever holes in my heart I can't navigate this world if I think I'm in charge 
It's not gonna happen. Because there's so much we can't control, so much we can't predict, so much we can't anticipate, so much we're not in charge of, so much that we can't endure. So how do we fill that hole? Only with Hashem Yisbarach. Only by submitting to a higher power. I would love to, it would never work. I'd love to, before we start brachas, every davening, we should all announce out loud, we submit to a higher power. Ashrei, mincha. Submit to a higher power. Let's sit around dinner. Before we dinner and make a bracha, we submit to a higher power. Whatever it is. Hashem is with us all times and all places. Wherever we go and whatever we're doing, He is with us. There is no one, there is nothing but Him. That's it. We go through the illusion, we live a charade, we do our part because that's how the world was programmed. But afterwards, we do not buy into the illusion. We don't buy into the hype. We know in the end of the day who's in charge, who's in control, and where it comes from. If postcards are in mailboxes, there are disturbed people doing it, and we have to address it, but we don't become bent out of shape because it's from Hashem. Hashem was the mailman. Because if not, it couldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. So what are we meant to learn? So instead of being bent out of shape, crying, curled up in the fetal position, hiding under the bed, woe is me, Instead, you have a big smile and a happiness and a simcha because you're not broken, you're whole. How are you whole when there's brokenness? It's filled with Hashem Yisbarach. Einod malvado. Nimtza imanu b'chol eis. He is always with us. Always, wherever, whenever. He is right there. Even when it feels like He's abandoned us. Even when it feels like He's far away. Sometimes that's when He's closest. That's when He's closest. Was it the Katzker who said, there's nothing as whole as a broken heart? There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. You know, when you feel whole without Hashem, you're the most broken because it's dangerous. Whatever's making you feel that whole while you're really broken, it's dangerous. It's counterfeit. It's fake. It's dangerous. So it's when you realize that you're broken that you're the most whole. As long as you fill it with the right thing. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. He does only good for us. He watches over us. He guards us. So we don't understand it. We don't understand it. No more than our kids understand why we don't let them go to the party or hang out with those friends or experiment with that substance. They don't understand it. Or run in the middle of the street or stick their finger in the outlet. They don't understand it. And they say, you hate me and I hate you and you made me be miserable and what's the matter? And why are you doing this to me? To which we respond, I don't expect you to understand it right now, and maybe you will or won't one day, but I want you to know I'm doing it because I love you. That is the only reason. And whether you will see or understand it or not one day, know that I'm doing it only because I love you. And Hashem asks us to do the exact same thing, because He loves us. You want to feel whole? Then realize you're broken. You want to be broken? Then live like you're whole. If we realize that whatever challenges or obstacles or tensions or people or challenge, whatever's going on in our life, He is the answer. Submitting to a higher power is the answer. It's where we derive our strength and our courage and our resilience and all the ingredients necessary to be able to overcome whatever is coming our way. That's it. We just tend to forget. We forget. It is intoxicating to think we're in charge. It is our inst instinct and our intuition to think we're in control for good and for bad. We swell with false pride when things go right, and we panic when things go wrong, 
because we forget about him. We forget about him. But the more we spend time talking about him and remembering him and thinking about him, involving him and including him, seeing him and identifying him, being grateful to him, then the more it will kick in. So you get a flurry of texts because, and I love everybody, but every member of the shul felt they were the first to tell you, did you see the postcard that came in my mailbox? Which is beautiful and I'm grateful and everybody's loyal and loves you, but it's a lot of texts. But if you're working on your amuna, you just look at it and you laugh. Okay, today's challenge. All right, Hashem, today's challenge. Today's challenge, Hashem. Let's figure this out together. Bo alparo, not lech alparo, bo. Whatever challenge Hashem gives us, He doesn't say, okay, here's today's challenge. You don't feel like you wake up that day? Which kid's not going to feel well today? And what are the domino effects on the rest of your family? If you have children at home, that's how you've been living for the last two years. For the last two years. And the mental health consequences are beginning to show now. And Khalila, they're only going to show even worse. But if you've been living at home with kids for the last two years who go to school, every day you wake up wondering which one's going to tell you this morning, I don't feel well. That was never fun when a kid said, I don't feel well, but it meant maybe a doctor's visit, maybe a sick day, maybe a mental health day. It didn't mean, uh-oh, who else needs to be tested to be able to get back? How is the impact? How do we lock you in your room and quarantine you from everyone else? What does it mean? How long will we wait online to get a test? So if you have kids school age at home, you wake up every day for the last two years with that angst, with that anxiety, with that pit in your stomach. So if we think we're in charge, we're in control, and life is so unpredictable, we don't know what will be, then that's eating you up inside. You wake up every day like that. But if you wake up every day and you say, Hashem, what do you got for me today? Let's see, I'm gonna open my email. What do you have for me today? Let's open WhatsApp. Let's see what's happening online. What? Yeah, yeah. Some days it's quiet. That's when you worry the most. Some days there's good news. Some days you open your email and you say, wow. Some days you open your email and you say, wow, there's great news. I didn't know. I didn't hear an opportunity, a connect, whatever it is. But often we wake up and we say, Hashem, what do you have in store for me today? What's today? What do you got for me today? But if you wake up and you say, world, what do you have for me today? I can't take it. I'm challenged. It's miserable. It's impossible. What was me? I'm a victim. I'm a martyr. You can't get through the day. If you wake up and you say, Hashem, I'm, it's an adventure. What do you got for me today? I went to predicted mailbox and postcards. Just like two and a half years ago, we went to predicted Q-tips up our nose and whatever else we have to do and wait for every day. Hashem, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me today? And Bo El Paro, Hashem doesn't say Lech. So we're supposed to feel Hashem, whatever you have for me. It's not what do you have for me today. It's what do you have for us today? Arm in arm, hand in hand. What are we going through today? What are we waiting online for today? What are we overcoming today? What are we planning for today? What are we responding to today? What do you have in store for us today? When you live that way, you could be besimcha. It's besimcha. What do you have for us today? That's it. You know, if you have to wait online to get tested and you're waiting alone, you're miserable. But if you go with your best friend, who hopefully is your spouse or someone else, who you enjoy spending time with, so you say, okay, we're spending time. We never get time. It's quality time online. So Hashem, you're with me wherever we go. You're my best friend. I'm never alone.
So what do you have in stock? Oh, a 17 and a half hour delay on our flight. Fun. Such quality time together. What do you have for us today? What are we going through today? So we could be besimcha. No one could rob us of that simcha. Life can throw us all kinds of curveballs. People can throw us all kinds of curveballs. They can take a lot away from us. But Martin Judovitz and many others taught us they can't take away our simcha. No one and nothing. Not cancer and not the people who are cancers and not delays in flights and nothing can take away our simcha. We and we alone are in charge, are in control. We'll pick up with that next time. But we are in charge and we are in control. We define our demeanor and who we are. Don't hand the keys to that to anyone else. It's the most precious thing you have. It's the ground floor. It's the foundation of everything else. Do not give away the keys to anyone else for that. It's what we hold on to. Nine o'clock tonight, we're going behind the beam of Nisan Black. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay home.